0: Welcome to the WCAPS Five podcast series.
1: WCAPS is an online community dedicated to strengthening the leadership and professional development of women of color, specializing in the
2: fields of peace, security, conflict transformation, and foreign policy. Join us as we unpack their valuable perspectives, learn from their strategies,
0: and grow together. Five, vision, impact, voice,
3: engagement hey everyone sorry again it looks like this should be our last one last time we get kicked off so we're just trying to make sure everyone gets back on who is on here so really really sorry about that um, and thank you all so much for being here and um, we are really excited to get our SWANA group launched Netta and I um, have been putting this together for a long time now and have been really excited about it. So thank you all so, so much for, for joining us and, and being a part of this really special special launch with us. I know Ambassador Bonnie Jenkins, founder and, and president of, of WCAPS will also be joining us at some point too. So you'll, you'll be able to hear from her, but today we really just want to hear from our two guest speakers and teach you a little bit more or tell you a little bit more about our plans for SWANA and, and what we hope to do and provide you with some opportunities to join our leadership team. So before we we hear from our our guest speakers, I want to hand it over to my co-chair, Neda Shaheen, who has just been an amazing partner in in developing this group. And I want to give her a huge shout out for everything she does for WCAPS and for this working group and so many of the others as well. And I know we're still waiting on some participants and she might be admitting them, but hopefully she can unmute herself and, and say hello if she can.
4: I can. Hi, everyone. It's so good to see you all here. I see a lot of new members that I don't know and a lot of old members, so it's good to see all the WCAPS people here and coming together. I'm so sorry earlier about the overscheduling, but it's great to have all of these amazing women of color in the room, and I'm so excited to introduce our speakers. I don't want to take any more time away from our day, so if it's okay, we will just hop right in. We have today with us Ms. Hidahoa, and we also have with us Ms. Fahir Saad, Christina and I will be introducing everybody and yeah we have a lot of fun programs ready to go for this group. So first I would like to introduce everybody to Huda Hoa. Huda is actually a WCAPS board member. She started with WCAPS earlier this year when we met And it was amazing because when Christina and I had the idea for this group, she was on board to sort of help us walk through the vision and mission and to really get started from the ground up. So Huda is the social impact manager at Participant Media. Prior to that, she was the director of policy and advocacy at the Muslim Public Affairs Council, MPAC. Huda led the organization's policy goals based on MPAC's policy agenda with a specific focus on Capitol Hill, federal agencies, and civil society. She engaged engage members of Congress and their staff on legislation and current affairs, and to organize briefings on various domestic and foreign policy issues for Capitol Hill and federal agency communities. Huda has been featured on national and international media outlets speaking on key domestic and foreign policy issues, including the intersection of national security and civil liberties, immigration, religious freedom and human rights and human security. So Huda, I will turn it over to you.
5: Thank you so much, Nada. And thank you um, to you and Christina for putting this together. I'm like thrilled to hear about all of the activities and the programs that you have planned for this working group and Really excited to hear from you, Feyruz, and just honored to be in this space with all of you, and thank you all for joining today. So good morning from the West Coast. I'm based in Los Angeles now. I was in D.C. for the last 15 years of my life, but really excited to be starting this new chapter of reimagining what our community's experiences are like and how they're being told through storytelling in film and in television. So I'm incredibly excited today uh, that we're launching the SWANA Working Group. WCAPS is a platform that is devoted to women of color that cultivates a strong voice and network for its members while encouraging dialogue and strategies for engaging in policy discussions on the national and an international scale. But for too long, women of Southwest Asian and North African descent have been overlooked as critical contributors to the success of effective policies and leadership. And in fact, women and people in general um, of SWANA descent are not even recognized as people of color in the United States. States. In fact, since 1944, we've been classified by the federal government as white um, without any of the privileges that come with whiteness. And so this legal classification as white conflicts with the imagining and the national security policing of the estimated three to six million people who identify as Southwest Asian or North African Americans in the United States. And this is why I think it's so incredibly critical that WCAPS established this working group in the first place. And that it has women, Christina and Neda, who who identify from those communities who are this working group lead. I think that centering the experiences of Swana communities, particularly women, because we have been left out of so many conversations, it shouldn't be a novel idea. But with WCAPS, it's a reality. And I think that this is why the purpose of this group and this this working group specifically includes building this community of women who care deeply about these issues, strengthening the ties between women in the region and diaspora groups, and finally empowering women who are working and living in the region. Myself, growing up as an, as an Arab American, and especially as a woman, I didn't see myself reflected on the national political stage. I didn't see my community's experiences re- reflected And I didn't even see a lot of us as those engaged, savvy policy leaders. And then for too long, the experts who were called upon to speak about the experiences of our communities didn't look like us, didn't have our backgrounds, didn't really understand the nuances of what it meant to be from uh, someone from the region. And it even took years before political campaigns even thought to create positions for people to reach out specifically to our communities and engage us in those campaigns. And then further, it took decades in my life before I even saw someone represented on the national stage in the United States Congress. And this is why representation matters. The more that we see ourselves reflected in these various spaces, including the political space, the more we can encourage and foster generations of leaders to take on this work. And when policies are continually being crafted by people who don't come from the very communities that will be impacted, those policies more often than not become harmful. And so that's why this work group is a solution to the problem of a colonized understanding of the Swana region, as well as those hyphenated Americans who identify with those communities. And further, this is why I'm so honored to be a WCAPS board member. This organization fosters a community and builds a pipeline of subject matter experts who are reimagining and redefining strong and effective national security policies. That's why at the top of the call, I think one of the times when we were all signed in, someone asked if Swana was was now the the gold standard um sort of term. And I think with this working group and with the women who are pushing the the policies and, and writing these recommendations, Swana will be the will be the gold standard and it will be the term in, in not too long. And you know, I think the the brilliance behind WCAPS is that it it's inclusive and it centers diverse communities who have traditionally been negatively impacted by a securitized relationship with the federal government. We don't have to accept the ways in which national security has been defined. And again, the genius of this organization is that it encourages all of us to reimagine what effective and productive policies look like. So I am so thrilled and excited for this initiative. And I'm looking forward to seeing the incredible work that comes of it, the incredible leadership from Christina and Neda. And thank you all again for joining. And I'm so looking forward to the rest of the discussion. Thank you.
3: Thank you so much. We're just honored to have your leadership and all all the women in WCAPS working with us and supporting us. And I have the great honor of introducing next keynote speaker, uh, Feroz Saad. We are honored to be joining by, by you today. Uh, Feroz serves on the Michigan Governor's Cabinet as the Executive Director of Global Michigan, leading on immigration policy, immigration, uh, immigrant integration, and economic inclusion programs for the state of Michigan. Formerly served in the Obama administration at the Department of Homeland Security, where she worked on strengthening community policing initiatives. Um, And after serving in the Obama administration, Bedouz returned home to Detroit and later became the first director of the city of Detroit Mayor's Office of Immigration Affairs, where she led efforts to promote immigration, immigrant integration, and inclusion programs that spur economic development within the city. So she has a wealth of knowledge working at every level of government to keep our community safe and expand opportunities for families. And she is a idol to all of us. I think we were saying earlier before we got started, how great it is to see Women who look like us, positions that, you know, honestly, we didn't think we belonged in before that. So thank you for that. And without further ado, I will hand it over to you, Fuse.
2: Great. Well, thank you for that lovely and warm introduction. And it's such a privilege to be here and um, have been asked to speak by Neda, who is certainly at the very least a rising star in our community. And I can't wait to see where she goes from here and all of you for that matter. And not only is it great to be in a, I guess, a virtual room with with people who, who look like me, but people who can pronounce my name right too. And so the rolling of the R, you're getting the Z in there as well. I can't tell you the number of times people have called me Feyru. So it's uh, really exciting and it's a pleasure to be here. So so let me tell you all a little bit about myself but also why this is so important. And I jumped on the opportunity to speak when Neda asked me. Um, so I, I often tell people that I, I came of age in a post 9-11 world. So um, I'm going to date myself for a second here. But on September 11, I was a freshman in college. And I, um, I'm one of six kids and I was at the University of Michigan and I was living on campus and that was actually a really big deal coming from my very conservative Arab and Muslim family. I was the first in my extended family to go away even though I was 45 minutes away. And that day amongst all the chaos, amongst what was happening and and the backdrop of this tragic and terrible event in our country, my parents came to campus to pick me up and take me home. And essentially, I thought that this was the end of of my big venture out into the real world because they were afraid. And they were specifically afraid because they thought that I could become the victim of Arab American or Muslim backlash on campus because uh, as a result of what was happening. And so what's funny is for me, this was actually the first time I ever learned that this was the perception that people had of Arabs and Muslims in the U.S. I had no idea that that was the case. And so I I wasn't sure if I would go back to that college, if I would go back to campus. But, you know, when when I did go back, uh, maybe a day or two later, um, something quite, um, I think, amazing happened. And that is my my roommate and, and some of my neighbors who had learned of why I left made it a point to meet me at my dorm room when I returned to campus and to give me hugs and welcome me back and tell me that I didn't really have anything to worry about because they would be there for me. And, you know, we were all in this together. And it was quite an amazing moment for me because it took me back to where I was right before 9-11, right, and already believing this. And so, but unfortunately, as we all know, this wasn't the reaction that the rest of the world had that the rest of the country had, and that certainly our government had. And and while some leaders made it a point to say the right things, we know that that didn't always make its way into policy and into implementation of well-intentioned policies of what we all hear again and again. And so uh, as, as I kind of became active on my campus and, and learned what it meant to be an advocate, I became aware of, you know, the Patriot Act, which is still is in our policy and how that was adversely affecting people who looked like me, people who had the name Muhammad or Ali or Zainab or Fatima or, you know, Nada and Fairooz and so on and so forth. And so it became clear to me or what, seemed to me because, in my opinion this this isn't who we are, right, and we all know that, and we don't deserve to be treated like this. we certainly don't deserve to be put in the same category as you know the uh, of the people who committed the terrible acts. What do they have to do with us and so for me, what I drew from that is that whoa, there there are these people, there's a conversation and there's a table happening somewhere and they're talking about this. They're talking about us and we're not at that table. They're having these discussions without us. And so it must be that they just don't know, right? They don't know about us. They don't know where we come from. They don't understand the nuances at place. And they're trying to categorize categorize us all under the same umbrella or within the same category. And that's just not right. And so that's what kind of catapulted me into my advocacy, into being an organizer, into wanting to be involved. And I set, personally, I set my sights on government. I need to go and be on that table and be part of that conversation and educate people in the right ways. And so that's essentially the path I put myself. I I did it by, I started by getting involved in campaigns and presidential campaigns. From there, kind of things just started to kind of, a a path drew itself for me. And and I ended up, um, one of the first kind of big real jobs I had was working in the Michigan State House of Representatives. And I was working for a state rep of my home town and for those of you that don't know I, I grew up in in Dearborn Michigan which some of you might know as the you know is like the Arab American capital of the the United States and in a lot of ways it is that but you'd be surprised that even though we have a good chunk of us in that town how much policies still work against us and I'll give you a really good example so here I was as a staff person working for the state representative and a woman walks into our office one day and essentially in tears and begins to tell us this story she's arab american she's muslim she wears a hijab and she begins to tell us this story of how 20 years 20 some years ago maybe even 30 years ago her children were stripped away from her by a essentially a discriminative child protective services and policies that they were implementing in the so-called best interest of children her her she had a son who had brittle bone disease died by accident in the bathtub, and they essentially deemed her responsible even though she was acquitted of all of all charges and they took her kids away and never gave them back to her thirty years later she was still fighting for not just to have her name cleared, but to ensure that these type of discriminatory policies didn't continue and that more families weren't finding themselves decades down the road, torn apart by discrimination within our system. And so we worked with her and essentially passed something called the Amir Act, uh, which made it, because the other thing that happened is that they were put in with a family that wasn't Muslim and wasn't Arab, didn't share practices and and her children were raised outside of the culture and religion that they were rightfully born into. And so we helped pass legislation that was signed by the governor eventually that made made it harder to rip kids away like that, you know, gave first preference to family members because her own family members were denied the right to take in her children, you know, gave first preference to community members who shared cultural and and religious and dietary constraints and things like that, just making it harder to discriminate in the ways that they were. And I, I bring this as an example because a lot of times, you know, we go straight to the national level, right? We see we we talk about immigration and you know what's happening at the border and and ways that we're being securitized and only thought through through these like terrorism type of windows and umbrellas and policies but it's happening at the most granular parts of our country and of our governments as well and some of the most basic ways as you know basic as our right to our children you know if you're a mother and father and so it, you know, it's this in particular is this wonderful, happy ending, so to speak, situation of because she spoke up, you know, because she continued to be an advocate. Because she found someone on the other side of a door who empathized with her story, you know, who looked like her, who understood where she came from, I was able to gain the support of other legislatures because of that connection that we had, we were able to get a pretty meaningful bill and legislation passed that meant a lot to our community. And so, and this is why it's so important that we are at the table and we are working at all levels of government and that we are continuing to pursue these roles run for office, so on and so forth, is because you don't know when Mrs. Amr is going to walk through your door. You don't know when there's going to be another situation like that in which someone is going to need you to understand where they come from and understand that the cultural and religious and language barriers that they are facing that's making it hard for them to advocate for their rights. And so that that is, you know, why I continue to do this work. You know, at the, the time in federal government, you know, you continue to see these types of things happening and we're constantly fighting for incremental changes, but those incremental changes make a big difference and go a long way. And the more people we have on the inside having those conversations, the further we're able to go and the faster we're able to get there. But oftentimes, I think, unfortunately, we wait to be invited to those tables. We wait to be asked to speak up when we're at those tables. And, you know, that has, that's a big barrier that we face, I think, as certainly as, folks who who come from the Swana region and, but as women and as women of color in the United States, right, we know that this isn't just unique to us, but many women face this issue. And that's why organizations like WCAPS are so important, because the more we are able to amplify this narrative and change the message, the further we're able to go and see change and have effective institutional change because we know that that's where it's going to make a difference you know we we're organizations like WCAPS exist and and a lot of us exist not to put band-aids on problems but to kind of fix the challenges and the gaps that exist within the system so that we can ensure that our children great-grandchildren you know the women that we're trying to empower and hopefully Take our chairs after we have left them. Aren't having the same conversations, but that they are chipping away and picking away at a whole new subset of issues and problems that they're identifying. Because we know that the road is long, you know. And I, I personally hate when, when, when people. I think it's a little cliche to um, quote people, but you know, in this case, that you know, I, I think it's you know the the arc of the universe is long but it always bends towards justice and i think we see that again and again but it's not without our continued advocacy and it's not without continued leadership like folks at w caps and other organizations and leaders like this that help establish that and you know i i want to say it was mentioned uh by christina or, or i'm sorry hoda mentioned it that you know, it wasn't until re- recently that she st- started to see herself represented in Congress. But that didn't happen by accident. And I think we have to remember that, you know, Rashida, Ilhan, AOC, you know, some of these others that are really seen as trailblazers didn't get there. I mean, they, of course, are, are smart and brilliant and intelligent and, and go-getters, but they didn't just get there because of what they did on their own. They did it because the path was paved paved for them by organizations and by leaders that came before them. And so we just have to make sure that we continue to pave that path and ensure that it continues to be more moving forward and and towards justice and, you know, equitable engagement for all of us. And so, you know, I just want to leave it at that. I often say that I started my career, I'm a community organizer by trade. And I only say that because I don't actually have a trade. So it makes me feel a little bit cooler. So, but as a true community organizer, to stay true to my roots, I wouldn't be good if I didn't give you all a call to action. And that is, there's a few. One, run for office. If, if that is your path, run for office. There's so many levels. If you want to be your drain commissioner because you really care about drainage in your city, that makes a difference and it, it, it's important to have you there you know it doesn't just have to be congress there's so many levels of government in between vote. vote 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 we can't say it enough and we can't just vote we have to encourage everyone we know to vote and be informed on the issues but vote <laughs> like don't feel like you have to know everything that's on the ballot vote. And that is so important because that is our constitutional right, certainly as Americans here in the United States. And, and finally, you know, remember that, you know, I think kind of coming from the regions that we do, I often tell people that at least growing up for me, right, if you weren't a doctor, lawyer, or engineer, you kind of weren't much, right? Your parents didn't understand what you did. No one understood what your purpose in life was. I constantly have to explain to my parents what I do, and they just catch on to keywords. They're like, oh, she works for Obama, or oh, she works for the governor, right? People thought I was like hanging out with Obama in the Oval Office in my community, but, but, I say all that because it is so important that we put ourselves in rooms where we are not otherwise invited to or expected to be. And a lot of times those are, you know, obviously in in political spaces, you know, in government, even if you don't want to work in government, Call your legislature, write to them, make sure that your voice is heard and they hear about what is important to you because this is how we're gonna move the needle. So I just wanna thank you all again for being here and inviting me to speak. I'm happy to answer questions if that's a thing, but otherwise, as Neda can tell you, I love nothing more than, than talking to women who um, are, are trying to accomplish something and make a difference. And so I'm happy to make myself available to folks and, and have offline conversations.
4: Thank you so much, Feruz. That was amazing. And we did have Ambassador Jenkins in here listening. I think she had to hop off. I know she teaches a class at Georgetown um, in a few minutes. So I don't know if she'll come back in, but this is wonderful. It's amazing to hear from trailblazers, like you like her, the women that we can look up to, women we do look up to. And I know Christina also agrees with me in this, but I'll also let her say Oh,
3: thank you so much. I mean, Netta said it perfectly. I, I um... I am so grateful to have both of you here, and I'm so grateful to have, I think we have a little over 20 people on the line interested in the SWANA group, and that's just amazing to, to see this kind of interest in our network and to know that we we are going to be creating this space. A big part of something that, you know, Netta and I spoke about when trying to put this group together is how do we get Arab American women or women from the SWANA region in general engaged in every in every way right both in uh, the foreign policy space and conflict transformation but also in politics and in, in, you know get them get folks to vote get folks to make phone calls and be engaged and be leaders in our community so hearing from both of you is just really inspiring and I know we want to go over you know what to expect from Swana and I think Netta has a presentation and I'm not sure if we have time also for questions or if we want to save that for the entire
1: end.
4: So I think we'll have time at the end. The presentation isn't too long, but I'm going to share my screen to give people just a quick overview of the new working group, be able to see my screen now. So we were very fortunate at WCAPS, I'm sure all of you know, celebrating three cheers for WCAPS and launching our new website. On the new website, we now have a SWANA group. This is our icon, so when you see this icon, This represents items by SWANA forward. So the mission of the group, which is the WCAP SWANA working group aims to promote the voices and advance the professional development of women of color in the Southwest Asian and North African regions, commonly called the Middle East in the fields of international peace security and conflict transformation. This was actually something that Christina and I talked about a lot and we went back and forth on, and I know it was kind of discussed here was the idea of SWANA and whether that is the standard For us, we sort of talked a lot about it and we got a lot of feedback from other people as well just about the post-colonial nature of using Mina in terms of it identifying us as middle of the world east of Europe. And so to give us a bit of geographical autonomy and to build on our empowerment as women and women of color, we decided to use the more progressive term, which is Swana. But that's also something that we hope to keep exploring with this group. And we would love to continue the conversation on interpretations behind that. We are by no means the the tell all be-all of, of the regional <laughs> politics. So We are always open to learning here. We have three purposes. One, to build a community of women who care deeply about and or are working on SWANA related issues, to strengthen ties between women in the region and diaspora groups and to empower women working and living in the region. I was really excited on this call because I know a number of you. I know a lot of you with ties to the region who work there. It's great to see so many women on this call and I hope that all of you get involved. And so here are the goals that we came up with, which of course starts with the decolonizing the understanding I think part of what happens in in the region with conflict a lot of times relates to the post-colonial nature of it, to the fact that many of the states were not independent until within recent years, and so there's still so much room for growth. We also wanted to talk about different policies that impact communities, impacting women and other minorities, such as the LGBT community, to highlight through anecdotal stories the impact of U.S. foreign policy on those living and working in the region, to create accessible materials for those living and working in the region. If you speak any of the local dialects like Amazigh, please let us know because we want to be able to put materials in very broad dialects where we can pull women from different ethnic groups into the group. If you know anyone who speaks Kurdish, feel free to throw them our way. Turkish, Farsi, we are super open between Christina and I. She is Moroccan, I'm Syrian, we have our own dialects, we can't communicate with one another, so we need a liaison. (laughs) We also want to create awareness around cultural misconceptions and points of vilification, talking about Islamophobia, addressing and discussing structural inequities that affect women and minorities, collaborating, with other working groups to have more in-depth discussions and to encourage diaspora groups in the United States to be politically engaged, especially on SWANA-related issues. And above all, as we've said, finding unique methods to build community among women working and living in the region and the diaspora groups around the world. So these are all things that are very important. And then leadership roles that we have available, if you're interested in getting involved with the SWANA group, Christina and I have put together kind of like an agenda we'd like to see, but we are super open to shifting things. We want to develop this group with you, with our network, and really use it as a place to empower women and women in the region. We want somebody to take over as community outreach director. We're looking for two program directors, someone who can help with social events like networking, happy hours, um, things like that and somebody to work on more of the educational programming. We would also really appreciate if anybody is interested in a creative director role um, who would want to create event materials and a global communications director. This one we assumed because it would be communicating with persons on the ground that we would start with Arabic as a requirement. This could end up growing into a role with multiple positions. Like we were talking about would we need specific country leads? And so that's something that, of course, with time we can develop. But for now, this this is where we're at. If you are interested in any of these roles, you can email us at swanawg, so swanawworkinggroup, wcaps.org, and we can let us know your interest. We are happy to meet, to discuss, and we can set up a membership meeting time or a leadership meeting time. One of the other things we talked about was having a subgroup, especially for WCAPS, because it's Women of Color Advancing Peace and Security. But how do you translate women of color into the regional languages especially considering the post-colonial nature of the country and colorism that does exist and then also talking about just when you're like living in the west we are women of color relative to the west but in the region we're all of the same origin so how do we differentiate that to make our purpose clear If you're interested in that subgroup i think that'll be a really interesting discussion moving forward and yeah you can see the different events we have in mind one of the first things i think christina and i came up with was the difficult conversation series This was really fun for us. I think, Huda, you also were in these conversations talking about this. And we talked about everything from LGBT rights in the region to sextortion. We talked about the use of birth control, concepts of virginity, different issues that impact SGBV, um, among so many others. And so we want to sort of have these community discussions on these taboo subjects, try and sort of bridge those gaps And then we were also thinking of doing specific dialect discussions. Like, as I said, me and Christina can't communicate in our spoken tongue. But you can watch us try. In my love, in my Syrian and in her Moroccan dialect, it'll be a good time. And the other things we wanted to do is because WCAPS has the Vive podcast series, we have, are able to do our own episodes on the podcast. And it would be great to do some of the episodes in Arabic so that we could pass them around. And not just in Arabic, but other regional languages too. That was the one we chose because it's one that we both speak. But if we have speakers in other dialects, we're, we're very open to that. And you can contact us at the email here listed, which is aswanawg at wcaps.org. Christina Bied is my counterpart and I'm Neda And you can also check out check us out on the website. And if Christina, if there's anything else you think needs to add or that I should go back to. Uh
3: no, I think this was great. I'm happy to take questions from the group if there are any.
4: Yeah, I told you it was a short presentation. I do see that there is a bit going on in the chat. I wasn't able to look at it, but if there are questions, please feel free to unmute yourself. Please feel free to join the conversation. Turn on your camera. Camera. We're here to, uh, to discuss. Hello.
6: Um, sorry, I'm also in a work meeting, so if you hear grumblings, that's actually my colleague's arguing about some work they're doing in iraq <laughs> so i apologize for that in advance my name is Leticia. i'm a member of the w caps global health working group background about myself i am i'm a Congolese belgian american that's just tells you how many places i've been <laughs> i wanted to say that i really love a lot of the ideas that you're suggesting i think this is not only a group i come into this space from Seeking to learn, learning how to be an ally, learning how to support, not to lead any conversations, because this is definitely not a space where I feel is my role or knowledge place to be doing that. I did have a question about difficult conversations. I thought that it was, I think that that's a really interesting series to have. And there is one conversation that I know, at least within my African diaspora community, we tend to have. And if it is appropriate, I would love to see. Hear people discussing it. Within the African diaspora community, when we talk about, when we speak about Africa and African, most of the time, the line is sub Saharan Africa downwards. Up north, this is, we, there's, no com- there's no similarities. However, I have also heard that that sort of mentality is not only counterproductive but perhaps isn't altogether true. And so not wanting to take away any aspect from the regional blocks and what we've laid out here, I actually wonder in the spirit of moving from into a post-colonial world, if it's necessary to actually re-explore some of those relationships, particularly with countries that do border one another. It may have been a for ease from a colonial perspective to just chunk groups and people into things, but there are physical borders and there are cultural there are cultural connections that might tie to people would that be a worthwhile discussion to have on one of those difficult taboo subjects talks you'd like to have
4: I would say absolutely I mean I know Christine I see you nodding so I'm gonna say you yeah well I worked definitely in in Senegal and it was funny because during my experience on the ground I always felt like I'm wow like I'm in an Arab country just because of how similar like the cultures were and just also because I got by using Arabic because they were Muslim countries and I don't speak a word of French, but all of the Senegalese people were like, Oh, okay, we'll just switch to Arabic. And so I do think there's definitely room to explore the way that we like define the different geographical blocks and and these divides that sort of exist. A lot of them, I mean, for myself personally, I find to be arbitrary. And so <laughs> I I would love to continue that discussion.
2: I'd love to weigh in on that in a second, just because it's very timely and something that I'm working on or or working with, I guess, here in in the state of Michigan. And that is like, not to comment directly, I think on, you know, how... WCAP should organize itself. And obviously that's this is a great idea, all for kind of continuing to break down barriers and, and borders. And however, let's also remember like the power of partnership and that also like to our white counterparts, you know, very simply, in a lot of ways we're all the same and though in a lot of ways they think that by talking to one of us they are talking to all of us and you know in black white brown doesn't matter and and so one thing that i'm kind of trying to educate my colleagues on um here at the state of michigan is because we're having a lot of really great actually forward-thinking conversations about Diversity, equity, and inclusion. And, you know, two things I find myself saying again and again is not excluding doesn't mean including. And also, you know, just because, you know, we're having conversations about DEI, specifically as it relates maybe to racial disparities and things like that, doesn't mean we're covering all our bases. Um, I think it is important to um, kind of continue to have those conversations, but remember how like others are thinking about us and making sure that we are, you know, kind of continuing to break down people's implicit biases and how they've compartmentalized all of us in their heads.
6: I completely agree with you. I guess the reason this idea sort of came to my mind is when I think about moving into a post-colonial, a colonizing type of future, I think about the work that needs to be done externally and then the work that needs to be done internally within groups. And that, that came up as a thought of this is work that really needs to be done internally. Neta mentioned that she was in Senegal, I've done a lot. i just came back from I'm living overseas in Uganda a lot of colleagues based in Nigeria, in South Sudan, et cetera. And when we would sit down and have conversations, and we would just, just go there, and I'd say, okay, so they're like, oh yeah, I'm going to go, I'm going to go, I'm going to go do some work in Tunisia. I'm like, oh, is, how's that going to be for you? They're like, oh, it's actually not going to be that terrible. It's actually not so, so different. And when we look at even the influential trade all across the years, just within the African continent, most of, I would say, like, most of the time when you think of, the influence of the arabic culture you think oh north africa that's kind of where that stops you don't think of the swahili coast which in which the original language is a dialect of arabic you don't think of hausa in nigeria we mostly think of these very compartmentalized bricks so i completely agree with you i don't think we ever want i, I would never want to suggest that we assume that because we're not saying someone doesn't mean we're excluding them it also doesn't mean that this is a catch-all i was I guess thinking that in in trying to move into a post-colonial world, maybe we should redefine our our narrative and move into some, instead of saying, you know, because you're here, you're completely fundamentally separate entities, revisit the idea of saying these groups, there's a lot of fluidity here. There may be, there may be strong similarities here, but there's also quite a lot of fluidity in combination. So we should never think of ourselves as, what happens to one doesn't affect the many. What happens to someone doesn't it doesn't mean it will impact me. Just uh, some food for thought. It doesn't have to be a priority thing.
2: No, absolutely. No, and I, I didn't mean to counter what you were saying by any means.
4: So I appreciate that thought. I think that's a great point, Leticia. And I always appreciate your insight into these things. Thank you. And thank you for too. I, I'm really excited for all of these different conversations. I think this is just another example of how much we can talk about within this group. I do see a hand up. So Rachel, feel free to (laughs) unmute yourself and go ahead.
0: Hi, everyone. Thank you. My name is Rachel Boveja. And just thank you for opening up this group and getting this started. Much what Leticia was saying is also another reason why I'm here. I'm American born, but my father's family's from Aswan in Egypt. And so as one can imagine, same thing has happened to me whenever I say that people look at me, and they're just like, Oh, you don't look Egyptian as if People of all kinds of colors are not in Egypt, and i 've done a lot of research just on that region and regarding health and how one identifies himself and much how you 're all talking about the issues there may be issues amongst all of the women there, but still don 't have their voices heard, and those would be like some other women of color in Egypt, particularly in that Aswan in that Nubian region and so I come here too, if possible, if I can help lead and participate in some of the tough topics that you have, but also to listen and to help, like I said, because I'm American-born and I have a connection there. I still did not grow up there and I don't ever want to speak from that place, but want to be an ally as I am connected in some way. So thank you for having this. That's all I wanted to say.
4: <laughs> thank you so much. And we do have time for like one more question, if anybody else. Miriam, I see your hand raised. Let me unmute
1: myself. Sorry, guys.
4: <laughs> Hi, Miriam, It's so good to see you. Good
1: to see you. This has been such a great discussion. I just wanted to also say, I, I um, in grad school, I did research on you know domestic worker migration in the in the Gulf. So it was interesting the conversation on geography because there were so many historic trade ties uh, between South Asia, East Africa, and the Gulf you know, pre oil. And so I think it's interesting. I think the discussion that Leticia brought up and others on just the fluidity of geography and issues. Sorry, I'm so dark, by the way. Like I, it's just my my thing. So yeah, if there's ever like, you know, if we're throwing out ideas for potential future discussions, that's something, you know, maybe on just the fluidity of geography and how these constructs are all kind of um, in time and space changing. But also some of the issues, I I lived in Egypt my first tour was Cairo and uh, speaking to uh, Rachel's point about Upper Egypt and colorism and I mean it's just there's so much you know we could do something on anti-blackness within the region and so there's a lot I think this group can really tackle sort of addressing some of these like power structures and hierarchies. So I'm just so grateful Neva and Christina and others to that have pulled this together. I think it's just such an amazing space. So
4: thank you so much, Miriam. And thank you for all of the work you do. Miriam is our resident, just amazing expert in all things SGBV And it's just such a WCAP star. It's such a, a pleasure to have you here and, and to engage in this discussion with you as well. I think that that is about all we have time for today. Thank you everybody so much for coming and for being involved with the group. I really, really hope that people reach out to us, that you email us. If you want to be part of the leadership, let us know. Leticia, I will be emailing you about a continued conversation on borders and on having that conversation. I think it's super important. And Christina, I also want to give you the space to, to also say thank you and goodbye. And any last words?
3: Yeah, no, thank you so much to everyone. This was a great conversation. I love to sit back and listen to it. And, you know, we'll do some great follow up to to get these conversations started. So thank you all so much. And thank you uh, to our special guests and to my partner and co-chair uh, in this initiative. You are all wonderful. And I just looking at the screens, your faces and profile pictures, just seeing a group of women of women of color coming together, really important work is just it's my favorite part of my day, every time I meet with WCAPS people. So thank you all.
4: Yeah, thank you, Kairuz. Thank you, Huda. It's, it's just always a blessing to, to be around such amazing women, to follow in your footsteps, to really take this moment. And just thank you for everything you've done to let me and Christina be in this space. And thank you for joining it with us. So I will hopefully talk to everybody soon have
3: a great day everyone enjoy the debate if you watch it (laughs) (laughs) try to stay sane